Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first edition of NASCAR, where we talk all mid-major college hoops. Glad to have you along. My name is Nick Pierce, and we're joined by our experts, Tim Scarborough, or Scar, and Paul Nazigan, Naz. Together, they are Naz Scar. Also, our producer engineer, Shaq Cook, with us here this week. Glad to have you on board. we got a lot to get to, including former assistant men's basketball coach Jeff Meyer. Just called it quits this year after a long, successful career. Jeff Meyer will be joining us a little bit later on in the show to talk hoops and who knows what else. All right, guys, let's get into it. The starting five. This one is one of uh, a little bit of a controversy or contention, I guess, if you will. First off, Guys, why would you not consider Gonzaga a mid-major? Well, to me, it's quite simple, Nick. I mean, Gonzaga for the last 20 to 25 years has been simply playing on a national level. When you look at the fact that since 1999, Mark Few has been the head coach, and he's never had a losing season. He's been to the Elite Eight. He's been to the Final Four. Uh, He was this close to winning a national championship in 2017. So many players in the NBA and – uh, All-Americans, Dan Dickow, Adam Morrison, Kelly Olenek, uh, Ruchi Achimura drafted last year by the Washington Wizards. They're a team that plays on national level. And by the way, last year, they were in the top two most of the year, top five, certainly. And this year, they're number one in the country, and they don't look like a team that, that will be beat anytime soon. And to me, Jalen Suggs, a five-star recruit, is one of the best players they've ever had, and he's certainly probably the best player in the nation right now. So many reasons why we are not going to consider them when we talk about our NASDAQ, uh, so I say NASCAR top 25. Yeah, that's correct. You're right. Like, and, and not only are they getting those guys, but who are they competing against to get those guys? And they are not competing against mid-major programs. They're competing against the high-major programs to get those recruits. I mean, if you ask, if you ask Gonzaga who they are, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to tell you they're a high-major program. They're, that's what they're telling their recruits. They're not selling their recruits when they come on campus. Hey, we get to play Santa Clara twice a year. <laughs> they are right. selling their non-conference <laughs> schedule because it's all Kentucky and Kansas and Duke. Yeah, they're a major playing in a mid-major conference. Yeah. That's just life. They're a big fish in a small pond. That's right. And in a mid-major arena as well, but you got to love the kennel. <laughs> uh, that place is loud. It's got some bark to it. Uh, let's move on here. Number two in our starting five. A lot of mid-major upsets early on here, just in the first week, week and a half of play. Looking up and down uh, the college basketball landscape, a wild four-overtime game in Atlanta. Uh, there's a lot to talk about here. Uh, Naz, I'll start with you. What jumps out to you and why? Well, just keeping it local here in, in Virginia, um, San Francisco, great win. Uh, very surprising over UVA. And then uh, my boys Liberty on there twice. You know, they beat Mississippi State. Also beat South Carolina and and other great ones, but I think you're seeing that experience and, and returners have a little bit of an advantage under all these conditions, beating youth and talent. And I'm going to take my guy Naz's cue, and I'm going to go local as well. I, I live in the Atlanta area, and to me, I watched both these games because I covered Georgia State and Mercer last week on ESPN Plus, so I had to prepare for them, but. I got to watch them upset my guy, Josh Pastner, in Atlanta. They both beat Georgia Tech. And that 123-124 overtime win, I'll be honest, I only saw two of those overtimes. And I came back later, and it was a fourth overtime. But what a performance. And then Mercer, really one of the better mid-major teams in the country. Greg Gary, second year down there as a former assistant under Matt Painter at Purdue. He has done a tremendous amount of uh, quality recruiting and he's done it the way most people are doing it these days with transfers and fifth-year guys. Mercer is going to make some noise this year. But already, as with most years, the Power Fives are losing to what we call mid-majors. And it's going to keep happening because the talent disparity is not what it was 30 to 35 years ago. That's right. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, but uh, fortunately for your guy, Josh Pastner, he does now have a win over Kentucky yeah. under his belt this year to kind of he did make up. He did make up That's for right. a, a double-digit win. Yeah. <laughs> No doubt. <laughs> kind of wash some of that bad taste out of the mouth. Moving on, number three in our starting five, best mid-major conference in America. Scar, who do you got? Well, to me, if you want to count the Atlantic 10 as a mid-major, and to me, when we saw when we say mid-major, when I say we, me and Naz, mid-majors are the non-power fives, uh, and yes. then don't count the American Athletic, 
and we don't count the Big East. So that's seven conferences. Everybody else is pretty much in that next group. And Atlantic 10 is right there. Dayton was a top five team all last year. They had the national player of the year in Obi Toppin, a lottery pick. They had the national coach of the year for Anthony Grant. But then you think about VCU, George Mason, have both been in the final four in the last decade. Okay, George Mason was 2006, so that's a little bit longer. And they weren't eight uh, Atlantic 10 teams, but we're still counting them. Then Davidson, when you add VCU, George Mason, and Davidson to an already really good conference and the coaching in that in that league, I mean, uh, Keith Danbrod at, at Duquesne is one of the best coaches in the country to me. Uh, Mark Schmidt at St. Bonaventure. There's no easy games night in and night out. Even when you play LaSalle or St. Joe's, you go into Philadelphia, you're probably not going to leave with a win. So to me, that's obviously the Atlantic 10. Yeah, I cannot disagree with you, Scar, there. And, you know, in the number two slot, I guess, you know, I was torn. Um, the, the SoCon is really good. You know, Scar, you cover some of those games too. I mean, uh, Greensboro, Furman, Mercer. But um, so we've got to give them some love. But I'm going to go with the West Coast Conference. And, and, and here's why. Even after you take out the team whose name we will not mention on this show anymore, is you still got some great teams in there. You know, BYU had everybody back. And also they get the transfer kid, the big kid Harms from Purdue. Um, St. Mary's, every year they're tough. They're going to be back right in the mix again. Uh, we talked about earlier about San Francisco knocking off UVA. They're going to have a good year. And then even Pepperdine. You got Coach Romar out there making some waves out there on the California. <laughs> so I think WCC is really strong. And I agree with you. I mean, the WCC, because when you're a coach in that league, you got you got you have a recruiting tool. You say, listen, we're competing with Gonzaga. And as a result, you have to go after players that Gonzaga is going after. So as a result, everybody's level of play has been elevated. So, yeah, I agree with you. But to me, Atlantic 10 is one. WCC is right there in the Mountain West and the SoCon, all good leagues. Yeah. So Gonzaga can't claim mid-major status, but all those other schools can claim Gonzaga for their recruiting status. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, well, let's move on. Number four in our starting five. You know, a great poet from Brooklyn once said, just give me one more chance. So there's some coaches out there that are saying the exact same thing. Rick Pitino's already gotten his at Iona. Greg Marshall's going to be asking for one more chance somewhere. Scar, how do you feel about giving one more chance to some of these guys? Well, first, let me just say, you know, uh, Greg Marshall, what he, he he's accused of doing is a no-no. You know, you don't want to abuse players and coaches. We've been around Greg a lot. We like him. He's a good friend of ours. But, you know, reality is, you know, when he was at Winthrop, he won a lot of games. He rubbed some people the wrong way. He did a great job at Wichita. Got them to the national championship uh, final four in 2013. So, I mean, obviously he's one of the best coaches in the nation. Took Wichita to the American Athletic. Wichita is a team that was a mid-major. Now we got to say they're a major. And it's all due in part to Greg Marshall. But I love that Rick Petito is back in college basketball. I know he's older now and his son Ricky is uh, coaching out in Minnesota. So he's kind of passed that baton. But this last go-around, look for Iona. Remember, Rick's a New York guy. You talk about give me one more chance, Biggie. Ricky is going to give us one more chance. Uh, and I'm telling you, Iona is going to be really good, if not this year, certainly next year. And I love the Gales. I love Gale Nation and TBT. I'm excited about what they're going to do up in New Rochelle. Yeah, I mean, in both these cases, you know, time heals all wounds. And, uh, you know, you're seeing – Patino, you know, he, he kind of left the spotlight for a while and people kind of just tend to remember the good things. And and I, I think the fact that he comes back to to a mid-major, it, it kind of helps people say, OK, he's kind of been humbled. He's paying his dues. Again, he may not be there, be there long until uh, he ascends again, but it's nice to see him back in. And then so Greg Marshall needs to do the same thing. You know, he needs to kind of lay low for a while and and. Um, kind of regather himself. I'll tell you, listen, he needs to seek counsel. That's not legal counsel. He needs to seek the counsel from his mentors. You know, yep. he was at College of Charleston under one of the best of all time, John Cress. And, you know, he needs to kind of reach out to the people that helped him and, and kind of own up what it was and, and, and kind of make some changes. Listen, the changes are not unfixable. Um, yeah, some, some really bad things happened allegedly, but Listen, it's not like he's saying, look, I don't know how I'm going to coach if I can't punch somebody or, or shake a kid. <laughs> like, sure. Those are fixable. And, and again, we all have 
personality things and, and things in our lives that we may need to, to kind of learn and grow from. And I'm telling you, Greg Marshall, he'll be able to do that. Nobody would ever, ever ask him not to coach kids hard. Listen, there's a lot of coaches up and down any, any level that coach kids hard. There are kids that love that. There are families that want their kids in really, I mean, look at Frank Martin at South Carolina. Don't tell yeah. me he's not on kids, but listen, they love him. There's a way to do that. And, and, and if Greg can kind of tweak his style a little bit, I think he'll be back. He'll be back, but listen, he's got 7 million reasons why he doesn't need to be back. <laughs> yeah. He may not be in a rush to get back, but he'll be <laughs> Right. Yeah, I don't think it's going to hurt Greg Marshall to lay low for a little while, but I yeah. also think that it's going to depend because th this is such a fresh situation, guys. I mean, wouldn't you agree? I mean, we, we still don't maybe know the depths to which this goes or for even how long it's gone on or, or what stops that he's been on. So I think that, uh, you know, there, there could be a, a little bit of a – uh, uh, unknown here as far yeah. as, you know, before we know if Greg Marshall can get that second chance, right? That's Correct, true. but he'll get a second chance if yes. he wants it because he's too good of a coach not to be back in basketball at some point. Let's move on to the final uh, piece of our starting five, the five, if you will. COVID-19, the elephant in the room. It's had the biggest impact on all of sports this year. College basketball, no different. Naz, I'll start with you. Preparation in light of COVID-19, mental uh, preparation, the mentality overall of your team, uh, how has it affected in a year like this? Yeah, I mean, a lot of things are, are up in the air. And so um, you mentioned sort of maturity. I, I think the teams that have older guys that, that sort of can, can kind of handle some of these inconveniences a little better are going to come out on top. I think you really just try to live day to day and not get ahead of yourself too much. I mean, you, you really uh, have to kind of shrink instead of having this big picture day to day, maybe week to week, but you keep your kids living in the moment. And then I think you're going to see teams like who wants it the most. I mean, games are being canceled already. Scarfer, you, how many have been canceled? Over, over 50 games yeah. have been canceled, Naz. And then you think about – the, the, the coaches are getting on the phone and say, hey, can you meet me in a gym tomorrow? You know, Virginia Tech and Villanova played a game 17 hours after yeah. the coaches got together. And unfortunately for Jay Wright, ended up being a Virginia Tech win. That's right. Tech is a little bit better than what people thought, thanks in part to Kevin Aluma, a Wofford transfer. And, of course, you and I got to coach his dad at Liberty, Peter Aluma. But I, I tell you what, getting these games and getting prepared – the teams that have older players are going to be ready. Think about yeah. Kentucky. They're struggling a little bit. Why? They have 12 underclassmen. And the two guys that are older are transfers. Mintz came from Creighton. And Olivier Saar came from Wake Forest. Good players, but they haven't even played together. A lot of these guys have been in protocol, uh, COVID protocols. They haven't had a, ch a chance to, to, to really gel. So this is just a really odd year. I would yeah. hate to have to be prepping my team in COVID-19 conditions. Yeah, and I think you're going to see the teams that are disciplined, it's going to pay off for them. Like, who, who's going to say, look, I'll wear a mask. I'm staying healthy. What teams are going to say, hey, we're not going to go out to parties. It's, we want to have, be healthy and, and play games and stay on the court. So it's good. that's going to be interesting to watch who can kind of keep themselves on track. That'll wrap it up for the starting five. Let's get on now to the top 25, and that is our mid-major top 25 here from NASCAR this week. And we'll start with the top 10. San Diego State checking in at number one, still unbeaten at 4-0, followed by Richmond and St. Mary's. Then it's Dayton in Western Kentucky. Big red, rounding out the uh, top five there. <laughs> St. Louis at number six. Then it's San Francisco, Boise State, and BYU and Nevada rounding out the top 10 looking at 13 through 25 uh some good ball clubs in there as well mercer checking in at number 16 you heard scar mention them a little while ago they're unbeaten at five and oh winthrop uh former greg marshall coached team and in the big south off to a good start at two and oh grand canyon winding things out there a couple uh, well three unbeaten teams 23 through 25 here i'm interested to get your guys take uh let's go back here in the uh, the top 10, the top 12 here. And let's start out with San Diego State. Scar, why do you love the Aztecs this year? Well, obviously they lost Malachi Flynn, an NBA first rounder at 29, but they have plenty left in the tank. They are 4-0 this year 
well-coached team. They're going to win a whole lot of games. And again, they're competing on a national level. So they're an obvious choice at number one. And number two, we love Richmond. Listen, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, Scar, me and Scar, Philly guys. Mooney's a Philly guy. We go back a little bit. So he got some love going on there. But he is really doing a great job. Um, this is a team that had 24 wins a year ago. They got everybody back. Um, yep. Is that great, that system? And, again, I think that's huge. And have, I mean, the Kentucky win, you got guys that know the system, came in and executed that. Um, again, as Score mentioned, the A-10 is without question the, the toughest mid-major conference. They are picked to win it. They're already making national news, 19th in the country on the national scale. So, yeah, and, and Naz, Jacob Gilliard, their 5'9 yes. guard, is brilliant. And Grant Golden, a fifth-year guy. You got guys who have played in Chris Mooney's system for five years. That's a tough scenario yeah. to guard, especially yep. for Coach Calipari with his young players. And they, we saw it. They struggled with that team. But Richmond is going to be on the national scale all year long. I'm looking forward to watching them play once again. Yeah, no doubt about that. Richmond at 2-0. and And it seems like everyone's making a name off John Calipari here the first couple of weeks <laughs> of the season unfortunately for Coach Cal, but looking at the rest of the top 10 here, Western Kentucky, Scar, that's a team that I watched play on Thanksgiving. I was thoroughly impressed with them. Oh, that's a team that I cover a lot. I've been to Western Kentucky more than, than people want to want to see me at this point. I need to get some, uh, talk about stock right now, so I need to get some stock in, in, uh, in Bowling Green, Kentucky. But Rick Stansberry has had good teams in the in the recent history. You know, when I look at Western Kentucky, they're built like an SEC team to me. Charles Bassey is an NBA prospect. Now in his, his redshirt sophomore year, he got hurt early last year. He thought about going pro after his freshman year and came back, and he got hurt. So now he had to come back again to prove himself once again. But Carson Williams, a 6'5 power forward, and to me, Tavion Hollingsworth, one of the better point guards in the nation, and now he's a four-year starter. You know, he's had some 30-point games that I've had the privilege of calling. I really like that Western Kentucky team. Yeah, and checking in at number 11, the Liberty Flames. I don't want to get too far into the weeds on them yet, Naz. Uh, we're going to talk more about them in a minute. But looking at 13 through 25, uh, Scar, come back to you. Mercer, a team that you've seen quite a bit down there in the state of Georgia. What about the Bears this year? 5-0, and oh, they for real? They are for real, and I'll tell you why. I mentioned Greg Gary, a top assistant at uh, under Matt Painter at Purdue. And Purdue is one of the better teams in the country. You think about 2019, they were – a Diakite shot away from advancing in the Elite Eight, and maybe Purdue goes on to win the final, uh, win, the, win the national championship. And, uh, you know, he didn't bring many players with him, but he does have some fifth-year guys and some transfer guys, and they have really put together a nice team, a team I get to cover this season. And I'm excited for Mercer Bears this season. Also, Georgia State checking in there at number 17. Naz, uh, get your thoughts on Winthrop off to a 2-0 start. You've seen – uh, Winthrop teams from the past play a lot. What about this Winthrop team in 2020? Yeah, I think they just are, you know, continuing. You know, Coach Kelsey just he seems to have a great squad every year. But, listen, they had their dancing shoes laced up last year. And the, the whole <laughs> thing of the dance. Down, but, <laughs> yeah. listen, they got uh, that whole group back. Um, they're picked to win the Big South. Um, you know, they've got a win over, over uh, some good teams already. But I just, I just love how they play. Uh, they play hard. They play tough. And, and Coach Kelsey just seems to have them peaking always at the right time. So I like him right in there at, at number 19. Yeah, Winthrop with a win over uh, UNC Greensboro already this year. Got another win over yeah. Little Rock as well. Uh, looking at uh, Belmont and Furman, a couple other teams wanted to hit on here. Naz, uh, why do you like Belmont? Why do you like Furman? Yeah, Belmont, I mean, you know, Casey Alexander, I mean, he was doing a great job. Uh, at Lipscomb in the A-Sun, and he, and he takes the job following his mentor, Rick Bird. I mean, what a great program, and it's been seamless. I mean, he has them rolling three and one already. Furman, we mentioned, Ocon is really going to be tough this year. I mean, Furman, they got a kid, you know, Noah Gurley, who will probably vie for a player of the year in the SOCON. Um, you know, Coach Bob Ritchie doing a great job, just one of these up-and-coming young guys. Yeah. Great job year after year for Furman. And the SoCon has produced a couple of really nice coaches. We talked about Virginia Tech. Mike Young was the head coach at Wofford, took Keve Aluma with them to Virginia Tech, and now they're rolling. I look for uh, Wake Forest with uh, Steve Forbes leaving ETSU, taking over that job. Look for Wake Forest to start kind of moving up in the ranks in the, uh, in the ACC in the next years to come, too. So a really good league. 
And, you know, there's certainly enough young coaches in that league to keep it going. So there you have it. That's our top 25 here this week. Next up on the show, we want to welcome in this week's special guest. He's been to two Final Fours as an assistant coach with Michigan. As a head coach, he guided Liberty to its very first NCAA tournament appearance, and he was most recently an assistant at Butler. Well, now he's taken off the tie. He's hung up the jacket. We're talking about retired coach Jeff Meyer. He's this week's guest on NASCAR. All right. Now we are here with former Liberty head basketball coach for 17 seasons, went to the NCAAs in 1994 for the first time at Liberty, worked for Greg Marshall at Winthrop, has been with Quinn Snyder at Missouri, Todd Lichter, uh, Lichter at Butler, uh, Kelvin Sampson at IU, 10 years with John Beeline, including a Final Four appearance in Atlanta back in 2013, and is now retired from Butler, a second stint uh, under Laval Jordan. So, I uh, want you guys to welcome Coach Jeff Meyer, a guy my, I play for and Paul Nazigan play for. Coach, welcome to our show. Thank you, Scar. It's great to be with you and Naz. And uh, wow, you guys are doing a really cool thing here with the uh, podcast. Appreciate it. Appreciate you joining. This is our inaugural um, show. So we wanted the guy that we know the best, the guy who really kind of helped us carve our career. Right. We both played for you. We both coached with you on staff. And uh, Naz was actually with you when you uh, went to that uh, final, that uh, first round against uh, North Carolina. But um, before we, we start talk about some of the Liberty days, talk a little bit about, uh, I'm, I'm interested, I'm always interested in coaching relationships. I know you and John Beeline go way back. Talk we about do. that relationship, you know, when he was at Richmond, you were at Liberty, and then how you guys got to work together for a decade. Yeah, uh, Scar, we had a, uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, Division One coaches had a forum in October of, I want to say, 1994, and we had just gone to the tournament, so it was uh, the following fall, and uh, Coach Beeline and I met in a workout room, and, uh, you know, from that point in time, we went, uh, we spent, we had a meal together, we uh, spent a couple of hours together, he was a uh, a tremendous offensive skill development guy. So we tried to take as much from him as uh, I could at that point in time. And then um, we talked a lot about our defense at, at Liberty. We had a pretty good run at uh, holding opponents under 40% field goal, field goal percentage. And we became friends. And then, uh, you know, when he was at Richmond, I was at, uh, at uh, Liberty. We got to know each other quite well. And then, obviously, a number of years later, that comes full circle when, uh, you know, we had a, a situation at Indiana kind of go south. And uh, it uh, ended up that uh, John invited me to come up to Michigan. And, and uh, that was, uh, was kind of how it began. And we spent uh, 10 quality years together. We had a lot of fun and, and had some really good teams at Michigan. So close to winning that national championship yes. 2013. But that final four is fun. I was there with you guys. I got to go to the shoot around on this on the uh the Friday. Got to, I was really proud to see you in the midst of that. But you know, you had kind of made made your you established yourself in the business when you you mentioned you worked for Kelvin Sampson at IU. That IU team, that last one you had, you had two NBA stars really, and um um Eric Gordon Jr. and uh Jordan as well, uh, Jordan Crawford. Talk a little bit about some of those guys, as well as some of the guys you coached at Michigan that are in the NBA today. Well, interesting enough, you know, during that uh, early years at Liberty, I coached a young man named Eric Gordon Sr. Right. And uh, I had no idea then, but uh, he and his wife, Denise, both Liberty alums, um, landed back home in Indianapolis. And a few years later, they have EJ and, and uh, that's Eric Gordon Jr., and, uh, you know, we just became, Karen and I, my wife Karen and I became family friends. And so that Indiana team uh, was a really talented team. DJ White was, you know, first team all Big Ten player. We had uh, EJ, who uh, was a tremendous, he was, you know, what I call a pro at the prom. Uh, he mm -hmm. was going to be a pro when he was in high school. And yeah. uh, we had, had the good fortune of just kind of nurturing him for a year there. And you, you mentioned Jordan uh, Crawford, uh, who was a really long, talented, athletic kid. And we had a really good team. Uh, 
and that was uh, but but it was really kind of a uh, difficult transition because we didn't get to finish that season with with Coach Sampson for yeah, uh, reasons I'm sure your listeners uh, all are aware of. But that was almost another lifetime ago. Uh, still great friends with uh, Eric uh, Senior and EJ, and uh, proud of what he has done with the Rockets. Um, and of course, uh, Eric Senior is running the uh, uh, EG10 uh teaching academy here in indianapolis and we get together uh, periodically nice coach let's uh let's keep it in the big 10 here for a little bit longer you know your time at iu and then your time in michigan tell just talk a little bit about how incredible how difficult it just the coaching night after night in the big 10 against top coaches top teams i mean arguably one of the best conferences every year i mean what's that like uh, I mean, at times it's probably a dream, at times it's probably a nightmare. But, you know, talk about that experience. It had to be incredible. Yeah, uh, Naz, it was, uh, you know, it was really good. I go all the way back to when I got into coaching. That's right. Before Liberty, I was at Purdue for two years. And That's right. Back then it was 10 schools in the Big Ten. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's kind of tipped off my uh, Big Ten experience. Um, but, uh, both Indiana and Michigan, we, we, uh, big 10 night. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a dog fight. If you will, it's a slug fest, if it's will, it's, it's a physical league. The thing that's unique, of course, I've coached in the big 12 at Missouri. Uh, and there were some really talented uh, players, uh, in the big 12 at that time. Uh, and also now in the big East with Butler, but the thing that, uh, separates the Big Ten, in my mind, is the on-campus environment uh, that you walk into every place you go. It's, it's sold out every place you go, uh, the campuses, because of the tradition, rich tradition, uh, the campuses live for uh, their, their football team, their basketball teams. Mm. And uh, that's the one thing that's really, really, you talk about how physical it is, how competitive it is. It's really tough to go into some of these venues, whether it's uh, Carver Hawkeye Arena in Iowa City or the Breslin at Michigan State, uh, Assembly Hall, Mackey Arena at Purdue. Uh, hard to go into those places and uh, come out with a W. So when you do, you feel really, really good about about life and about your team. And <laughs> we, we had a couple of those teams at Michigan that we could take just about anywhere and feel pretty good. Uh, in the locker room, even before the game, uh, that the outcome of the game was going to be uh, favorable to the Wolverines. But that was, um, you know, it was just that was the thing that's unique about the Big Ten is is the the home court advantages that you have because of the uh, fan base, the student uh, support that uh, is in every in every uh, uh, school. You know, I think about going to Coalfield House. Wisconsin, they love their they love their badgers yeah. up there. You know, you go you go to the barn in Minnesota, uh, they love their gophers there, and it's it's across the board. It's yeah. that way in the Big Ten. Yeah, but now Forever. I mean, you you coach so many end up guys guys that end up being pros. Yeah, uh, like Karis Levert, Trey Burke. Yeah. yeah, you know Mitch McGarry, and, and a lot of those guys. I don't think you probably thought they were going to be pros when they came in. Trey Burke was very under-recruited guy, right? I mean, he yeah. was a Columbus yeah. kid that Ohio State didn't even want, really. Matt Stauskas, Hardaway Jr., Glenn Robinson Jr. I mean, talk about the development. And then talk about how the game has evolved. I mean, you know, you mentioned how physical the Big Ten is and was. But the game is very finesse today, right? I mean, the guys we just mentioned, a lot of them are very skilled basketball players, skilled with the ball, pushing, spotting up, running to the three-point line. Talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, the uh, players that you mentioned there, you know, of course, Trey Burke, uh, our ability to land him at Michigan um, kind of was initiated through a, uh, a friend of ours, Rick Burby. Yeah, Coach who, Burby. Uh, was on staff at uh, Liberty while you were there. Yeah. And uh, Rick had helped many, many years ago Trey's dad, Benji, into a uh, college uh, environment. And uh, because of Rick's friendship, he lives right there in Columbus, we were able to get involved in the recruitment process. And uh, ultimately, because Ohio State uh, 
they had kind of their squad. We're not going to offer Trey. He wanted, he couldn't think of a better place to go than Michigan. So he could turn around and beat Ohio State. <laughs> so, and he was that kind of guy. He was cold-blooded now. He was a tremendous competitor, uh, winner, and uh, easy What, a one-and-done? Did you think he was a one-and-done? You know, he did two years. I didn't think he was – I, I thought okay. he would be a, a good four-year player. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he did uh, – after the first year, you know, we actually – tied for Big Ten Championship his freshman year and then his sophomore year. Uh, that's when we, we took it all the way to Monday night. But, uh, you know, guys like uh, Nick Stauskas, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., those guys uh, really gave gave our coaching staff, let's say gave me, but gave our coaching staff energy. These guys, and you've been around these kind of, they're like you guys. I mean, they, they had positive mindsets. Uh, they, they had great work ethics. They were tremendous team guys. And, uh, you know, I, I think about uh, Glenn Robinson, uh, Junior, Mitch McGarry, both of those kids I recruited out of uh, the uh, out of the region. They call it the region in Northwest Indiana, and uh, they were just guys that love basketball, were passionate about their team, and uh, you know when you got you got those qualities in you, you do get better. And, and Coach Beeline was tremendous with skill development. You know I've had, as you mentioned, the uh, pleasure of working with some really really good. Uh, basketball coaches. Uh, no one is more passionate about skill development than John Beeline. I mean, it was every day uh, that we practiced, which is six days a week. And uh, we used every minute of every week. And uh, skill development was a big priority every day with those guys. And so we really recruited guys who would be called gym rats. You know, uh, we always say, you know, rats like cheese. But gym rats, they make a lot of cheese. And uh, we, all those guys we were, do. We were looking for guys who loved being in the gym that were your proverbial gym rats. And of course, uh, uh, Trey and, and uh, Tim both playing for the Mavericks last year. Karis, you know what, uh, Scar, I was thinking, you know, Karis and you have something in common. What's that? Ne neither one of you were planning on playing your freshman year in college. And then you got into the close to the season and we needed you to play. So that was one of a, why did we play you when you only played like, <laughs> you know, 55 minutes that year. It was yeah, a wasted yeah. year. Whole year I done. You, I know you're still <laughs> upset with me with that. <laughs> so, but you played and, and then with Karis, Karis was a redshirt candidate, but he practiced so well every day. We had Trey starting, Trey Burge. We had Nick Stauskas uh, on the left side. We had Tim Hardaway. Yeah. Uh, we had, you know, Jordan Morgan, Mitch McGarry on the right side. We had Glenn Robinson. Cares what I'm going to play, except every day in practice, he did something. Like uh -huh. he, would break, he would break ankles every day in practice with this uh, shifty crossover, double cross, and somebody would be falling down. <laughs> said, you know what? We can be good without him we might be able to win it all with him. And so we took the red shirt off after three games. He didn't even play like the first three games. He didn't even wow. play. And uh, didn't dress, didn't play. And, uh, you know, in retrospect, the one of the things we kept saying in staff meeting was, Coach, be like, he ain't going to be here four years because after <laughs> that, he's going to go make a lot of money. So you can either play him now <laughs> off the bench or – he, you're only going to play coaching for three years because that that kid's coming and he will be gone from college in four years, which he was. Great pro, too. Great pro. Yeah. Tremendous, tremendous young man. I think of all the players I've coached in like 40-plus years, he, at his graduation, gave the coaching staff a gift. He gave us all like a, a desk piece, uh, just saying thanks and uh, – it was just really kind of a cool thing to have a player like give you as an assistant coach uh, a gift like that. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Great conversation there with Coach Meyer. If you enjoyed that, make sure you join us again next week. We will have part two of that sit-down chat with Jeff Meyer. All right, it's time to move on to our next segment in the show. This one we like to call NASDAQ. 
And it is not the typical NASDAQ that you think of, although there are some similar elements. We are talking stock up, stock down. And Paul Nazigan, we will start here with the Liberty Flames. Stock up, stock down on LU. All right, look, now when I'm talking about Liberty now, I, I may be getting, this may be insider information. <laughs> I may get in trouble for this. But listen, with Liberty, buy. You, you got a lot of people had question marks because they lost four great seniors, iconic guys for the program, come off 30 wins. So they're a little bit down. People had question marks, but I'm telling you, this is a great buy. Now, look, it's not an instant payback. This is something they're trending upwards. They've been trending up ever since Coach McKay got back to Lynchburg. So give it time to mature, but Liberty's a buy. Yeah, Liberty's won 59 games over the past two seasons, already knocked off a couple of SEC teams this year. Moving on to the Richmond Spiders. Naz, stock up, stock down. Yeah, Richmond Spiders, stock up, buy. Now, listen, this is one of these stocks that, look, everybody knows about, but it's still good. You know, it's like McDonald's. You know, sure, everybody's got it or Google, but still, it's a, it's a reliable bet. They're moving up. We talked about how good they are. You can bank on them. I don't think they're as expensive as Google yet. <laughs> they're reliable, but you know it's not a thousand dollars a share quite yet. Well, they're definitely more expensive than the value mill at Mickey D's. So, <laughs> no, uh, coming off their first ever top ten win, we mentioned over Kentucky. All right, stock up, stock down. These one-site bubble tournaments. Naz, uh, do you put any stock in this? Look, this one, this one's a watch. This is a stock watch. I think it's too early to tell about what, what this is going to do. Um, you know, at the same time, we got COVID numbers going up and we got vaccines coming out. So, I mean, I think this is a hold. Don't put too much stock in, in, in it either way. Just time will tell. Moving on to Wes Miller, the longtime head coach at UNC Greensboro. He's in his 10th season. A little bit of a slow start this year, but 23 wins last year, 28 wins the year before that. Naz, there's talk if he has another big year this year, he could be on the move after 10 seasons at Greensboro. Stock up, stock down. Wes Miller could be uh, newly employed next year. Yeah, I'm, I'm selling that. I'm selling that. I don't like that. Now, listen, Wes Miller as a coach – Great guy, great job. He's, he's my, my stock's high on him, but I don't think he moves. I think he's found a niche there, right there in the heart of Tobacco Road. He's recruiting the city. Listen, the city has embraced them. They love their basketball. And, um, you know, he doesn't have to compete with football. He's shown that he can get players in there and vie for the NCAA tournament every year. And listen, I kind of think – he kind of wants to hang around because he's just a stone's throw away from UNC. And that's right. At the end of his career. That's it, Naz. He's going to wait for that UNC job to open up. He's a former UNC player. Roy Williams is not getting any younger. When he leaves, depending on where Miller has the UNCG yes. program, he's going to be one of the top candidates for that UNC job. Yes, he will absolutely be on that short list. And he may forego a little money right now. He could certainly, he's passed up other jobs, but I think he's waiting around for the Carolina Blue. Number number one, I believe, on the top 40, under 40 national coaches. So just a really, certainly yeah, a buy, a great, right? Great job. Yep. Timing is everything and context is king. No doubt about that. Lastly, here on NASDAQ, McCour Maker, uh, five-star prospect from Melbourne, Australia. We all know the story. He chose Howard. He wanted to play at an HBCU instead of uh, going to one of the top uh, power five schools in the country, but it's not going so well for him right now. Stock up, stock down, McCure Maker at Howard. Listen, buy, buy, buy in McCure Maker. <laughs> Maker is a portfolio maker. I mean, it's <laughs> awesome. And, and listen, his stock is low right now. He's got this nagging groin injury, so we've not been able to see him and, and, and buy now because when he gets on the court, he is going to skyrocket. It's going to soar. Um, it's fun to talk about that in a funny sense, but listen, in all seriousness, this is a great kid and a great story. I mean, he chooses an HBCU um, because he's on a mission. I mean, he's talking about things beyond basketball. I mean, he is really clued into, cued into making a difference in social justice, in raising awareness of, of the quality of the HBCUs. He wants to start a trend of, of recruits 
valuing these other programs, the HBCU programs. I mean, I got such respect for this kid. I mean, maturity beyond his years. So listen, he's injured. I, I don't know. I don't know if he'll stay at Howard or play at Howard. He may go pro. I mean, he's that good. But whatever this kid's doing, buy into it because he's making a difference in the world. Well, here's Yeah, I'm certainly going to buy him. Yeah, yeah. here's the thing, too, Naz. I mean, it's not like he hasn't played well when he's played. I mean, 12 points, six rebounds in a couple of ball games. I know Howard's 0-4. They're struggling as a team, but certainly McCure Maker, I mean, there's a lot to like there, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This kid, I mean, you know, he he's a five-star and, and, and for a reason. I mean, it's not a fluke, and, and um, people know his game. Um, and so I, I think where every – I hope he stays. If he stays great, if he, if he moves on, he'll have a great following. You just have to love him. Oh, he's already got a pro body. He's got the long wingspan. Yeah. He's a real presence in the paint. And because of those things, even when you go to a smaller school, you know, yep. we live in the 21st century now. Technology can get you exposure. And he will be seen by the right scouts. I mean, trust me, Caleb Holmesley at Liberty signed yes. a contract with the Washington Wizards, and Liberty didn't necessarily play on a national scale, although Richie has won 29 and 30 games the last two seasons, but, and Caleb Holmesley was a big part of that. But I had a lot of phone calls from NBA scouts asking me about the kid as a person because they considered him even though he was, went to Liberty. So it doesn't matter if you go to a, a Blue Blood or a Power Five. If you're good enough, they're going to find you. Yeah, and, I, and I'm wondering just in the back of my mind if, if with McCurr Maker situation, you know, you get this injury and it really reminds you that you are just one play away from maybe a career ending injury. So I don't know if that may influence him to kind of go pro early. Um, you certainly couldn't fault him if he did, but um, just a lot there, but just a great story. That'll wrap it up for NASDAQ, and you may not be any smarter on Wall Street now, but hopefully you uh, know the college basketball headlines a little bit better now. All right, let's move on in the show here, and our next segment is one we like to call Scarborough Fair or Unfair. Are you going to Scarborough Fair? All right, guys, let's make Simon and Garfunkel proud here. Scar, let's start it off here. Scarborough fair or unfair, Shaka Smart has left the bald men on campus club. And, and this is crazy. You look at these pictures. Shaka Smart on top, that's the guy I remember. I lived in Richmond for many years when he was coaching there. I think I was the first person to sit in his brand new seat when he got the job because Kyle Getter, his assistant coach, is a good friend of mine. And we were in his office hanging around, and Shaka walked in. Hey, he was shaved. Every game that he coached, he was shaved. All of a sudden, this year, Texas, he's down there, and he's got a head full of hair. Hair, I'm jealous. So I say it's unfair that Shaka Smart has a head full of hair. Yes, yeah, Scar, don't get any ideas, man. You you look good. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm keeping it shaved, man. Right. I think it's unfair <laughs> that we haven't seen you with a Philly flat top fade. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you go, go to YouTube. I got it on there. Scarborough fair or unfair? Judging power fives with no preseason experience. And this is Scarborough unfair. And we touched on it earlier, but some of these power fives who have a lot of young players, it really takes time to gel. And with no preseason, none, no real set schedule, no really set practice times for some of these schools. And, you know, some of these teams like Kentucky have gotten off to a rocky start. And then you have special coaches like Tom Izzo, at Michigan State, that no matter what, his team is always seems to be prepared. And Coach Izzo had COVID-19, but yet his team still finds a way to get off the good starts because he's so used to challenging himself each and every year that when they come to this challenge, it's just another hurdle to overcome, and they do. But for the most part, some of these Power Fives who are off to a slow start, it's kind of unfair to judge them this early in the COVID-19 scenario. Yeah, we've seen it so many times before. Chemistry makes a huge difference. And when you have none, eh, well, that can also show up too. <laughs> uh, the next topic here is one that I think's come up uh, a number of times throughout the last decade or so. Scarborough fair or unfair? The ACC is no longer the best conference in college basketball. To me, that's Scarborough fair. I think it's fair to say that the ACC is no longer just hands down better than everyone else. Now, you look at the final four, and yes, Duke has won in the last five or six years. UNC won a couple. Uh, Virginia is the current, 
and I guess the two-time champion because we didn't have a, re- uh, a championship at all last year in 2020. So you could look at that and say that. But listen, Georgia Tech is in that conference. Wake Forest is in that conference. There are some teams, Clemson, they aren't that great in terms of the Power Five. And Syracuse is way down from where Bayheim had that program 10 to 15 years ago. Pitt lost to St. Francis of Pennsylvania at home by 10. And, you know, Jeff Capel's got that group the last couple of years, and I'm glad he hired his brother Jason because now I don't have to compete with him to do games at UAB and some of these other places <laughs> I could drive to. But in all seriousness, I think the Big 12 is just a little bit better. Let's think about it. Kansas, perennial powerhouse. Baylor, top five the last few, four or five years under uh, Bryce Drew. Um, Oklahoma's very good. And Shaka Smart has Texas playing as well as they played since Kevin Durant walked that campus. So you're looking at a conference and me, the Big 12. And then don't, don't forget, Texas Tech was in the, national, the most recent national championship. So to me, the Big 12 is slightly better than the ACC top to bottom. All right, let's move on now. Scarborough fair or unfair? We were talking about uh, Charles Bassey in Western Kentucky earlier. Big Red is the best mascot in college hoops. Big Red, to me, is the best mascot in college hoops. And look at this picture. Who has a mouth that big? Maybe Stephen A. Smith. (laughs) But other than him, Big Red is that guy. And I'm around that program a lot. We mentioned Bowling Green in Western Kentucky, but I'm a little biased. But, you know, if you don't agree with me, hit me up on Twitter and tell me who you think. Because other than the Philly fanatic, that is the best mascot I've seen in person. All right. We're going to go to... Scarborough fair or unfair and back to the the bald uh, men on campus club here but uh, this time it's Florida State head coach Leonard Hamilton this man has looked the exact same for decades Scarborough fair or unfair that is definitely a Scarborough unfair listen I shaved my head and maybe I look a little younger than I am I'm not even gonna say how old I am but I'll tell you what, if I'm sitting in this chair 20 years from now, I look exactly like I do today. I want to thank my lucky stars. But right now, it's unfair for Leonard Hamilton to be in his mid-70s looking like that <laughs> and recruiting young kids at Florida State. And they think he's going to be there forever because, hey, he might. He looks like he's found the fountain of youth. But one of my favorite coaches of all time, Coach yeah, Hamilton, I was gonna say, shout out. Yeah, he's got a, the look is great. But I was going to say, he's doing a fantastic job down there at Florida State. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I got to agree, guys. He's done a great job in uh, coaching and then 72 years old. I mean, my goodness. I don't know how you, you pull that off. Share the secret. Uh, <laughs> lastly here, Scarborough, fair or unfair, not having the NCAA tournament in 2020? Well, that certainly was unfair to so many good teams. You think about we didn't get any closure. It's a reason. There's a show called Unsolved Mysteries. I never watched <laughs> that show. You know why? Because they never solved the mystery. <laughs> If they called it Solved Mysteries, I would have watched every week. And we have a lot of unsolved cases here with Dayton. Would they make the Final Four? We don't know. Obi Toppin was ready to carry him there. Liberty won 30 games and made the tournament, but we didn't have a tournament. San Diego State. uh, Stephen F. Austin won 30 games last year. I wanted to see what happened with some of these stories. So it's very unfair. And the most unfair thing is to the city of Atlanta, because instead of getting the next final four, they have to get back in line and they have to bid for the next one. And it's already bid out eight years. So they're not going to see it for at least another decade or so. So it's a lot of Scarborough unfair with the COVID and NCAA 2020. Yeah, terrible, terrible. Yeah, I think the biggest thing we can all agree on there, unfair, just unfair to the kids, the, the yes. student athletes, more, yeah. more so than anyone in that. But uh, certainly just a, a bad situation all the way around. Hopefully we won't have to deal with that again this year. All right, we have reached the home stretch here, and it's time for the final lap. Scar, what league will produce the next national champion in college basketball? Um, I think I already made my case. Big 12 is going to be Baylor, is going to be – Kansas, one of those two. Will Virginia repeat as national champion, Naz? Well, technically they already have since there was not a tournament last year, but no, they will not repeat as champion. Um, it has nothing to do with them as a team. They'll have a great year, but it is near impossible anymore for teams to repeat. It will not happen for a long time. Well, how about this, Scar? This show's about mid-majors. Will we ever see a mid-major national champion one day? You know, I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen soon. When we talked about Dayton and San Diego State 
if, if we consider them mid-majors, which we do for the sake of our shell, both of them this past year had a chance to win the national championships. It's a lot of good teams. Somebody's going to be able to put together a street, a, a stretch of six games where they win six games and cut down those nets. All right. Well, how about this? Before we get to a mid-major national champion, we saw Virginia lose to a 16 seed just a couple of years ago. Does a 16 beat a one again anytime soon? It's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. I called that one. I didn't know it would be UMBC, but I said it was. Ha- it will happen when because 15s were beating twos. Remember that? Yes. I yep. said the second they overrank a one, which I thought Virginia might have been overseeded, and they underseed a a 16, where they probably should have got a 15 or 14. Like UMBC was really good that year, and they were playing well late. It was going to happen. It happened. I think it's going to happen again fairly soon. Yeah, probably fair to say, though, that UMBC was just playing lights out that night. And it, it just really felt like a perfect storm of circumstances, did it not? Yeah, and, 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 style, yeah, and style of play comes into that effect. If you, it does. If the, if the committee makes the right connections and sets the right game up, they can set up a storm. All right, last one, Naz. This one's for you. Will we have an NCAA tournament this year? And if so, where's it going to be? We know it's not going to be in Atlanta. That's right. <laughs> well, oh, that yes. Hurts. We will have a tournament. Um, uh, the NCAA cannot afford not to have a tournament. They can't afford it financially. They can't afford it by just uh, the support. Uh, so there will be a tournament. I don't know where. Uh, it may be whatever state is open for business. Get be. ready. That's Get right. ready, Naz. They may have to fill in. We may have some eligibility left. You and me will go in That's there right. and play. So location and then teams. Who knows how many teams? It might be whatever teams don't have COVID. But there will be a tournament. There you go, folks. You heard it here. Naz says there will be a tournament. We sure hope he's right. Well, that's going to wrap up our very first edition of NASCAR. We want to thank our guest, former head coach Jeff Meyer, joining us here this week. Also to our producer engineer, Shaq Cook. For Paul Nazigan, for Tim Scarborough, I'm Nick Pierce. Thanks for joining the NASCAR podcast. High speed action without all the pit stops and crashes, you know. Coming up uh, on the show next week, again, we'll visit with uh, Jeff Meyer. If you want to check out the show on our YouTube page, NASCAR Podcast homepage. Also find us on Twitter at NASCAR Podcast. That is N-A-Z-S-C-A-R Podcast. And you can check us out there as well. For everyone here at the show, I'm Nick Pierce. Thanks so much for joining us. So long, everybody. 